Hi, I'm Pastor Brett Cooper. And I am Dr. Linda Miles. And this is the Creative Caregivers Podcast. Okay, well, this one is called Put Your Mask On. That's what this podcast is called, and our heart's with you right now. And the reason it's called Put Your Mask On is because for anybody, and I have a feeling that's going to be you listening to this, for anyone that's ever flown before, you know that what they say is um, that there may be masks that drop down, right, (laughs) out of the plane. Now, that's a stressful time because if those masks drop down, it means the plane's crashing. And uh, when the masks drop down, that's dangerous. But what they say is don't try to help your neighbor before you put your own mask on, because you're not going to be of much help if you're passing out. So uh, the same thing is true when you're a caregiver. You need to make sure that you put your mask on before you help somebody else. And I tell you, uh, Mom, I really think that we're going to go somewhere with this one. I think we can really help some people out. What do you think? I do. And first of all, Brett, I want to acknowledge all of you who are listening who are caregivers. Mm. We have been there. We know on a daily basis how much energy it takes, how we can all lose our patience and all say things we don't mean. Um, So forgive yourself and just know that it is basically a full-time job. You are pretty much always on duty. And we salute you and we acknowledge you. Yes, we do, because it is, it's a tough, tough thing. And I hope that we can really give you four things and four ways that you can put your mask on, because there's different parts of your being that need help. There's different parts of your being that need the air, right? Yeah. So um, I, I want to ask you, because mom, you're the professional therapist over here, and you're the one who can really help us out here. Tell us about mindfulness. How, how does that help someone? How does that help them put their mask on, so to speak? It helps you be in the present moment Mm. and be compassionate towards yourself and towards the other person. Mm. Because you know the phrase, love one another as thyself. Yes. Too many of us do one or the other. Wow. We either just love other people or there are too many people who just love themselves. Wow. It's a balance. It's Mm. a balancing act. There's something called the loving kindness prayer that I want to share. It's like a mindfulness practice. Oh, okay. And what you do, say you're sitting with the person that you're caring for, Mm -hmm. and you silently repeat this to yourself. Mm -hmm. And this is something you can do even if they're being difficult. Mm. And you can do with difficult people. Mm -hmm. So you think to yourself, may I be healed. Mm. May I be at peace. Mm. May I be filled with loving kindness. Mm. And then you think, may you be healed. Yes. May you be at peace. May you be filled with loving kindness. Mm. And that is having you practice Mm -hmm. I, thou. Having you practice loving yourself as the other. Wow, wow. Do you think it's... um so I guess what hits me is, is that like in the moment that you're getting upset or should you be doing it constantly to kind of avoid getting upset or, you know, how, what would I you suggest? I do it a lot. I do it 
a lot. Okay. The more you do it, in the brain, the more we practice thinking something, the more mm. automatic it becomes. So it becomes the automatic response exactly. when things get stressful. Wow, okay. To drop into that instead yes. of getting in an attack mode or feeling hurt. Wow. Uh, you practice that. Wow, wow. Yeah, that, that's what I'd seen. You know, I was watching something recently and they were saying on experts how they'll do so much instinctively that they forgot that they even that's know right. it. That's right. <laughs> Mindfulness know? is like that. Wow. So you, you do it so much that it becomes instinctive when a, a situation gets stressful. Yes. Oh, wow. See, I think that you did that with me growing up because I have people tell me all the time, I don't know why you can stay so calm in these stressful situations. I'll say, well, my mother was a therapist. You know, she kind of hypnotized me. And, uh, yeah, I did stay calm. Yes, she did. I did. I was calm. And so then it allowed me to outthink you. Because yes. if you... If you go get real emotional with someone who has dementia mm. or someone who is a child, well, guess what? They can move you around. They can right. really disrupt your emotions if you allow it. And what you want to learn, Brett, wow. is to regulate your own emotions. And that's what I would wow. keep trying to get you to do when yes. you were a child. So I would say, well, how do you think this person feels? What? Instead of me saying, you shouldn't have hit Johnny. <laughs> I'd be like, well, how do you feel about hitting Johnny? But yeah. I wanted you to have the experience and regulate. Uh, yeah, well, you know, when I was a child, yeah. um, scripture comes to my mind. I thought like a child, spoke like a child. When I was a child, though, I remember there was a commercial. You know, mm -hmm. back in the uh, mm -hmm. late 70s, early 80s, mm -hmm. and it was about orange juice in Florida. And they wanted you to drink it more than just for breakfast. They would say it's not just for breakfast anymore. Yes. And I think that what you're saying here is, yes. is uh, having a regulated mind is not just for therapists anymore. No. It's something that everyone can have. Yes. And it's something that our, our listeners right now, you can have as a caregiver. You can have a mind that knows how to handle the most stressful situations but you have to practice at it. That's what you're saying? In the brain, practice makes permanent. Practice makes, makes permanent. permanent. Not perfect, but permanent. permanent. Wow, that's so good. Yes. And I think that all of us need to hear that. And uh, that's, that's, that's super good. Well, not only do we want to have our mind doing the right things, right? Like yes. we want to have our heart, our emotions, our our feelings going in the right direction. I think you have some tools for us here, too. It's going to be like, you know, psychological Christmas here, so to speak. You're delivering presents for us. But I think you have something else for us. And what would you say that is? I, I want to share an acronym from mm -hmm. mindfulness, which is RAIN. R-A-I-N. R-A-I-N. Okay, so Boy, the kind that comes from I... the sky, not the, yes, <laughs> not the kind of being in charge. <laughs> Did I need to rain on myself sometimes oh, wow. with the situation? Yes. So here's what they stand for. First of all, you recognize what's going on. You recognize that the person you're caring for mm -hmm. has dementia. Or recognize, okay. They can't do better. That's just it. This is really tough. Accept it. Ooh, accept Don't it. keep trying to be logical. Don't argue. Don't go, when is he coming back? Why is it like this? Why did this happen to us? All those mm. things are counterproductive. 
You need to redefine recovery then, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Accept it. Accept it. Mm -hmm. As it is. That doesn't mean you don't take action. That doesn't mean you don't do things. But it just means you realize what you're dealing with. Wow. Um, And so the I stands for investigate. You investigate Mm. things to do. Look into it. Okay. Read about it. You know, listen to this podcast. (laughs) Listen to this podcast. Yes. Share this podcast with a friend. Yes. That you think needs information. Right. Uh, So because so you're saying hit the subscribe button. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Hit the subscribe button. Yes. Yes. That that would be the I. We'll we'll say I is also for influence. Influence. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the N is for non-judgment. Non-judgment of yourself and non-judgment of them. Mm, mm. And I always tell people, ask yourself, is the way I'm thinking helping me or hurting me? Wow. If what you're saying is, I'm a terrible person because I went and took a nap, well, that's going to hurt. Right. You know, if you say, well, I need to manage my nap time better. Maybe the end could stand for nap. I'm, I'm, just, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, no. It could. It could. for nap. And it's okay. Non-judgment. You can take a nap. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So, and not you're not going to be judging all of them. They can't do mm. any different. It doesn't help to sit there and label them or right. judge them. They, Their brains aren't working. The brains aren't working. It's right. not working correctly. So they don't remember. And early on in Robert's Dementia, I would say, don't you remember? We said blah, blah, blah. Yes. No. He doesn't remember. (laughs) That was judgment. I was being judgmental. Like, why don't you remember? Instead of non-judgment is he does not remember. Clearly, he hasn't remembered for weeks, months. He's not going to remember. You think that maybe we have a a listener out there who's probably taking out a list and writing it down for the person, their spouse or the person they're caring for and going, now I want you to remember this. That's fine, but they're not going to remember the list. You sign it, right? Yes, exactly. Put your signature on it. Exactly. I did that. Well, I wasn't going to say anything. I I did that. I said, okay, you said this, you agreed to it, now sign your name. So as you can see, we're right there with you. We've done all the... When you hear us talking about hypotheticals, it's probably because for us, it was we've a... We've lived it. Yeah, it was hyper-reality. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, yes. And we've been there. Yeah. Yes. It can become all too easy to do that stuff. So non-judgment on yourself. It, it's okay. Wow. Those, that's really good. Can you go through those just one more time? I want to make sure I got them. Recognize, recognize what's going on. What's going on? Accept it. Accept it. Oh, it's wow. the reality. That's the hard part. That's yeah. really hard. Okay. Okay. Not should have, could have, would have. Right. This it is what it is. It is what okay? it is. Okay. Investigate. Investigate. Yeah. You know, Look that's into sort it. Of an okay. Action step. And without judgment, non non judgment. Yes. Yeah, take that nap. I love it. I love it. Or for nap, as you say. <laughs> or for nap. nap. For nap. <laughs> it's nap. I wish I could be those. a napper. I would love oh, to be a napper. I know, me too. Oh, we, what you a and wonderful I are thing. nappers. It's very inconvenient. I know. I would, if you're a napper, please take one for us because those of us who aren't able to do it will love you for it. Yes. We appreciate it. it so much. Well, with that being said, I want to share something with you, and uh, it's about your spiritual life. And uh, it's really how do you how do you work in your spiritual life? I remember coming to the place that really um, I, I heard a book on how not to pray, 
And the guy said, you know, that sometimes people say they don't want to pray. And they said, the reason they don't want to pray, they had all these reasons and blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, if you really boiled it down, really what people were saying was they didn't want to pray because here it is, because it's boring. <laughs> it's just boring. That's why. You know, and he said this, and, and it really stuck. It really touched me and showed up in my heart where I realized, wow, it's not that it's boring. It's not that, uh, it's not that prayer is boring. It's that I was boring. <laughs> I was like, I was doing the same thing over and over again, man. I, I was the one that was boring. God's not boring. And uh, if you're doing the exact same thing, that can get boring. Well, let's talk about three ways you pray. And uh, one of these ways will keep you coming back to prayer over and over again. One of these ways will really show up in your heart and show up in your life. Here it is. One way, this is, this is a good way to pray. But this isn't really the way that's going to keep you coming back. It, if you pray because God needs me to, or my, the person that I'm caring about needs me to pray for them. All right, that's that's a good reason to pray, but that will lead to kind of a very legalistic type of prayer life. Everybody else should be praying too, you know, and that, that kind of leads you down that path. So another reason, and that's a good reason, but it can't be the reason. Another reason is, that uh, you need it. I need to. I'm going to pray because I need to. But the problem with that is it can lead to a very shallow prayer life. I'm just going to pray because I need Because then what I do you do right now. when you don't need it? Yes. <laughs> You're not going to do it. Here's, here's the best reason to pray. Just because you've learned to be in a relationship with God. And I, I'll say this. God desires to be in a relationship with you. And it's really as simple as saying, listen, I want to know you better, God. And um, I don't know what's going on with you out there. And I would love for you to be here in the house with me and us just to talk and have a daily talk. Sit down and have a cup of coffee with God. God is great about having that kind of conversation. He will speak directly to your heart and bring words to your mind that are very powerful when you come with no agenda. You just want to meet with God. That's the type of prayer life that will keep you going. Um, and then there's something else that I think we can kind of both speak to, and that's the physical, that you need to physically take care of yourself. Absolutely. So uh, cookies and candy bars at night, that's out, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, sugar is going to be stimulating, then it's mm -hmm. going to affect your sleep. Yep. Um, you don't want to develop health problems. No. So everything in moderation. Yeah, everything in moderation. It's not that you don't want to say, I'll never have a cake or I'll never, because then you just crave it. and you just, It's okay to have that a little bit, but here's the thing that you really want to do. I, this is what I've found has been tremendously helpful, and you can help me out. Mom, let me know if this is good. This is what I discovered. Make a categorical decision of identity when it comes to your health. Now, let me explain to you what I mean. A categorical decision is when you make one decision that's going to make thousands of little decisions for you. Mm -hmm. One big decision that you say, this is something I'm going to do. So I have a friend who said, here's a categorical decision. He said, I want to run a marathon. Well, you know something? He lost a lot of weight. <laughs> Because he said, I want to run a marathon. He knew that at his current weight, he could He knew run a marathon meant no more cookies before bed. 
<laughs> he knew that, and, and not a half a bag of cookies. And that means you can't eat a pint of ice cream. Come on. I've done that, by the way. I've, I've done, but you know something? I made a categorical decision of identity. It began with a categorical decision of I'm going to run a triathlon. And it became I am an amateur wannabe triathlete. <laughs> That's what I decided I am. There, there it is. And I've been working on that categorical decision of identity. Why? Because that leads to a lot of healthy decisions. That means tonight I'm going to have crab cakes and sweet potatoes for dinner. Instead of going and having French fries and cheeseburger, which I ate a lot of before. I've lost a lot of weight. I've gotten in really good shape over making one categorical decision. I decided that I love to swim, I love to run, and I love to ride a mountain bike. So put all that together, and there's a categorical decision of identity, and it makes health choices. So okay, let's chunk this down for most People who are not going to run a triathlon. Oh, goodness. Well, I mean, why not? No, I think everybody's saying, ready to run a triathlon. Saying, okay, that bar is pretty high. Okay. Give us a lower bar. Need, what like. they need to know is that if you do aerobic mm-hmm. exercise three times a week for 20 minutes, yes. it helps with anxiety and depression. That doesn't mean you have to run a triathlon. No. I guess you just don't just run either bike, swim, whatever. (laughs) That's not indicated. But it means that you commit yourself, that you Mm. don't, you want to be less anxious. So a great thing to say would be, um, I'm someone who's into aerobics. Well, if you say that, that's going to lead to some healthier choices with what you eat. Yes. That will lead to some healthier choices with what you do. If you start saying that on a constant basis, just like you do with mindfulness, um, just like you do with regulating your thoughts, you begin to regulate yourself physically because you go, that decision means I've got to do things differently. And the brain practice. This makes permanent. I, yeah, I, I have a friend whose uh, his last name is uh, Walker, and I love the way he put it. He said, I don't like to run, but I realize that if I eat the wrong things, then I've got to run, and my last name is Walker, <laughs> and so I'd rather walk than run, so I'm going to be careful with what I eat. It could be something as simple as that. You could say, you know something? I'm a walker. I There's an identity decision. And if you say that, what does, and I ask you, well, what does that mean to you? You say, well, that means I walk three miles a day. Well, there you go. You don't have to run a triathlon. Well, you could think about running a triathlon if you'd like. But Some of us are, cannot think about that. <laughs> or you say, Mom, you're not going to run this thing with me. <laughs> but, uh, you could say that, and it could lead to you doing a lot of walking. So here's the thing that you're looking at in taking care of yourself. Let's see if we can put this together. Mentally, emotionally. Spiritually, physically, there it is. And you putting your mask on first. first. Yeah, there you go. So hopefully this has been really helpful for you. And we are so glad that you joined us. And we hope that you have an amazing week. Thank you.